Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you on this beautiful springtime morning in Augusta for part two of our series called Stressed Out. And I love this time of year. I love the weather. I just, I love the way it feels outside. I love that the kids like spring sports kind of kick back up the t-ball and the soccer and all of that. And about this time last year, I got talked in to coaching my then five-year-old son Chandler's soccer team. I don't know if you've ever been around kindergarten soccer leagues. It's like pure chaos. And I'm, I was a terrible athlete. I'm an even worse coach, but I'm like trying to be a good dad. So I'm trying to keep these kids corralled. And it's harder than it sounds to get them to follow the rules of the game. You know, just stay in these lines. The lines mean nothing to them at five years old. One day, we're scrimmaging with this other team. And my son Chandler is exercising his leadership gift in the wrong way. And he's leading this game that's not soccer. All the kids are going around and they're trying to spank each other. And they're just giggling and laughing like, and I'm like, what, what are you doing? And he said, we're playing a new game. We're done with soccer. This is the spanking game. Whoever can spank the most kids wins. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's, uh, that's not what we're here to do. They're having a ball with it, but they're missing kind of the, the point. Now, I think in life, a lot of times, you and me as grownups, we sort of do the same thing that Chandler and the kindergartners did. It's like there's a certain game, so to speak, a certain set of rules and guidelines in a life that God wants us to live. But instead, we're like, you know what? I'm going to make up my own rules. I'm going to make up my own game. And maybe it's not the spanking game, but maybe it's a game where we create what success really looks like. Whoever makes the most money wins. Whoever gets the most fame wins. Whoever has the most pleasure wins. Whatever it is, we make our own rules. We try to define success on our terms. And we miss the whole point of what God had called us to. And then ironically, in the end, we don't even get the things that we were searching for originally. Because those things we were pursuing on our own terms, they don't make us happy. They actually bring more stress. And in this week two of stressed out, that's kind of what we're talking about. And if you're filling in the blanks in the worship guides you received when you came in, there's some fill in the blanks if you prefer to learn that way and follow along. And the first one is simply this, that the wrong definition of success will actually create some constant stress in your life. And we live in a world that has the wrong definitions of success. The things that we celebrate, the things that we celebrate show what our values are. And you look at what's being celebrated in our world. And so often it's very shallow, very superficial things. When God has called us to so much more, we're just, we're just playing the spanking game and calling it life. When God has called us to something so much more meaningful and something that could bring us so much more peace. But I think the reason why we invent our own rules in life is because it gives us this illusion of control. And in a world that feels out of control, every time you turn on the news, everything seems chaotic. Maybe things seem chaotic in your own life. And with so many things we can't control, we're tempted to say, you know what? I'm going to define success on my terms. I'm going to do it the Frank Sinatra song way. I'm doing it my way, baby. I'm going to make my own rules and I'm going to chart my own course. And it sounds good on the surface. When we're doing it apart from the Lord, when we're doing it apart from what he's called us to, it doesn't end well. There's a book by Max Lucado called Anxious for Nothing that actually shaped uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the thoughts that I've used to put this series together. And Max had a quote from his book that relates to this. And I want to share it with you. 
Max writes, that's why the most stressed out people are control freaks. They fail at the quest they most pursue. The more they try to control the world, the more they realize they cannot. So life becomes a cycle of anxiety and failure, anxiety, failure, anxiety, failure. We can't take control because control was never ours to take. When we're trying to take control, which is the root of almost all worries in life, a root of a lot of stress in life, is when we're trying to control things that only God can control. We're trying to be God in our own life. Or we're saying, God, I don't trust you to take care of this the way that I would do it. Or Lord, I prayed about this maybe, but you're not dealing with it as fast as I would deal with it. You're not doing it the way I would do it, so I'm going to take it back and I'm going to worry about this. And I'm going to instead build my own definition of success around things I can put my hands around. Because, because faith and peace, peace, these things, you know, they don't seem as tangible to me as dollars and trophies and promotions. And so I want to pour my life into something that I can really measure and define. And so we go through life just accumulating these trophies for ourselves. My wife Ashley and I were going through our attic recently looking for stuff to give to Goodwill and clear out. And we came across um, two boxes from our childhood that had childhood trophies in it. Now, she was and is much more talented than me. So her box was huge. It had a lot of first place things. I had a lot of participant ribbons in mine. Um, not quite as talented, but we were looking at this box of trophies and they were dusty and broken. They were junk. And, and we're looking at them saying, you know what? At the time that, that we got this, it seemed like everything. It seemed like if I just win this award or win this, this trophy or, in my case, this, this fifth place prize out of five, then I would, I'd really feel like I've made it. I've done something. I'm a success. See, here's proof. I matter. I'm a success. But those trophies in and of themselves are nothing more than junk that's going to end up in a dusty attic somewhere or in a trash heap. And it's not that trophies are, are bad, but if they're the whole point of life, then we've missed the whole point. When God has called us to something so much more. And we say, but, but Lord, the, the peace and all these things you bring, it doesn't seem as tangible to me. And Jesus says it's even more real than that junk that's going to end up in your attic. It's eternally real. And so why would you spend your life in pursuit of junk that is going to get tossed out when I'm offering you riches that are going to last forever? You know, Jesus teaches on this in Matthew chapter 6. It's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest recording, recorded teaching we have of Jesus. Right in the middle of this masterpiece sermon, he camps out on this issue of worry. And he starts out this section on worry by talking about money, which seems on the surface almost out of place. But then you realize, no, Jesus is never out of place. This is exactly the way to start out this thing. Because Jesus realized that while money in and of itself is not evil... In fact, the Bible gives you a lot of principles about how to build wealth. But Jesus also knew that money would be that trophy that we were most likely to pursue so much that we lost sight of the peace and the truth that he's called us to. Money would be that game that we would most likely play that would become our spanking game, so to speak, instead of living the life that he had for us. And so if we have the wrong view of money, it's going to lead to a lot of worries. So I'm just going to read this, this passage to you. In Jesus' own words, from Matthew chapter 6. And if you have a Bible with you, feel free to follow along. If not, don't worry. We'll have this on the screens behind me. Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. For you will either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and at the same time be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you, do not worry about your life. Whether you have enough food and drink and enough clothes to wear... Isn't life more than food? 
Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store away in barns. But your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than they are? And can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. How beautiful they grow. They don't work. They don't make their own clothing. And yet King Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. So if that's how God cares for his wildflowers that are here today and tomorrow are thrown into a fire. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Man, there's so much in there. There's just so much in there. I think a lot of us, myself included, would benefit from taking two minutes a day and just reading that to, to start our day as part of a, having a quiet time with the Lord in the morning. A lot, I mean, a lot of us could benefit just from starting that discipline of having a quiet time with the Lord in the morning. I think part of our stress is that we start the day and we just instantly run into the stress. We're, we're checking the news. We're checking our, our phones. We're checking Facebook. We're getting kids ready. There's never a quiet moment to gather our thoughts, to reconnect with God, to put his truth, his word in our heart, to pray. You know, a great Bible teacher, a woman named Lisa Turkers, talks about her morning devotion. And she said, I always want to exchange whispers with God before I exchange shouts with the world. Just sets my heart and my mind right. And I think that we all need that. In this passage, it, it just seems to fly in the face of so much conventional cultural wisdom that says what success is. Because our, our culture says, work as hard as you can, go as long as you can, make as much money as you can. That's what's going to make you happy. And Jesus says, it won't. It won't. Not that there's anything wrong with hard work. In fact, the Bible tells us to work hard. The Bible says a man who won't work shouldn't be allowed to eat. I mean, the Bible wants you to have a good work ethic. But when that work becomes your idol, when it becomes your God, when it becomes your identity, then we've missed the whole point. And God, when he gives you something as a gift like work and we misuse it, it can become a curse to us. He wants you to have peace. And the peace that he gives, it isn't tied to how much money or how little money's in your bank account. It isn't tied to external things because a person that has the peace of the Lord can have that peace whether they're healthy or whether they're sick. Whether they're rich, whether they're poor, whether they're married, whether they're single, he wants you to have peace that's eternal and it's not tied to external circumstances. And once we're rooted and grounded in him, man, it sets us free. And I think there's a temptation for us to think, well, that's all fine and good for people that don't have real problems. But I'm a responsible adult. I got real problems. I got real bills to pay. And that just doesn't exist in my world. But this is a real world God we serve. He made the real world. Last week, we talked about the Apostle Paul in a, in a passage that he wrote about not having anxiety and having peace in God. And he wrote that from a prison cell. He wrote that with, with scars on his back, fresh wounds from a Roman whip that he had been beaten. He was alone. He was cold. But yet his heart was full of joy because his joy came from the Lord, not his external circumstances. Another person that we can look to that had a lot of tough times in life, but yet chose joy instead of worries was a lady named Cory Tin Boom. She was a hero of, of the World War II era by helping to save the lives of hundreds of Jewish families 
in the, in the time of the Holocaust. This past week, there was a Holocaust Remembrance Day, which I think is something we should never forget because six million Jews were murdered under the racist regime of Hitler. Six million. That's more Jews than are alive today. It was an attempted genocide. And I've been to the Holocaust museums in both Washington, D.C. and Jerusalem. And both are heartbreaking. Both are life-changing. And both are awe-inspiring to see inspiring stories like that of a Christian woman named Corey Ten Boom who refused to sit by and watch because she realized I cannot be a good neighbor the way Jesus taught me to be if I will not risk my life to save the lives of my Jewish brothers and sisters. And she opened up her home. She hid. She, she helped these, these families find freedom, save the lives of hundreds. But she lived in constant threat that every knock at the door, every knock at the door could have been a Nazi soldier there to kill her, her family, and everyone she was hiding. She had every reason in the world to live with worry. But she chose instead to live with peace, recognizing, Jesus, you are in charge of my life. There's nothing that anyone can take from me apart from your will. Even if they take my life, then I'm with you for eternity. So give me your peace and let me let go of worries. And it was her peace. It was her joy that brought these families who were hiding for their lives so much peace. It wasn't just the the meal that she provided, the safety. It was seeing in her, someone in the same danger they were in, this incredible joy instead of worries. And and Corey Ten Boom has a quote that I, I love. She said this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. She's building on that thought Jesus taught in, in Matthew chapter 6. He said, why would you worry? Worry doesn't solve anything. That's, that's another practical reason not to do it. Jesus doesn't want you to waste your time. He's saying, who of you by worrying can add a day to your life? Who of you by worrying can add an inch to your height? You can't change certain things. So stop trying to play God. And just let me take those worries for you. He wants to take them for you. And heard a story about a guy who was a chronic worrier, so he decided he was going to hire someone to do his worries for him. He posted an ad, I'll pay $100,000 a year to anyone who will come and worry for me all day. So a guy answered the ad, he's like, I'm good at worrying, I'll take the job. So he took the job, he starts doing the worrying for this guy, but on the first minute of the first day, he looks around this guy's house and he's like, you don't look like you have much money. How in the world are you going to afford to pay me $100,000 a year to worry for you? The guy said, that's for you to worry about, you know? (laughs) You know, we all need someone to do our worrying for us, don't we? We wish that there was someone we could pay. We would find the money if we just didn't have worries. And Jesus comes along and says, I got good news. You don't have to pay me a dime because I already own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own everything. And let me do your worrying for you. Because when you give that worry to me, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to take care of it. You don't have to carry it anymore. That's what he's wanting to do. He's wanting for us to gently pry our fingers off of the steering wheel of our life, off of this need to control, which in our minds we've convinced ourselves is just being a responsible adult. And yes, God wants you to pay your bills. He wants you to have a plan. He wants all that for you. But we've taken that too far, and we think that responsibility means an obsession about control over every part of our life. And that robs you of joy, and that robs you of peace, and it robs you for the need you have. Of God, because you're living under the illusion that you're your own God. That's why Jesus said, All these worries, these are things that unbelievers do. People that don't have a faith in God, they're going to obsess about these things because they feel like they have to be their own God, their own Savior, their own protector, their own provider. But Jesus is saying, You should know better. God is your Father, He is, he is your provider. So why would you act 
is if you say that you, you believe in him and trust him, but then live your life as if you're an atheist. To live your life as if you've got to be the one to solve all the world's problems when you could have the peace that I want to give you. So here's a principle I think that we can remember. Finding peace isn't the result of gaining or maintaining control. It's the result of trusting God as the one who's in control. Because most of our striving and our stress, it comes from that place of saying, I just need to control. If I, if I, get, if I just had X amount of dollars in my bank account, I would never have to worry again. And, and we, some of us believe these myths. If I just won the lottery, I would never worry again. I would, I would have everything I ever wanted. I'd never worry again. And I could you know, tell you the statistics of how people who win the lottery are, are three times as likely to suffer from depression, four times as likely to commit suicide because they get the very thing that they wanted and then they feel a hopelessness because now they're still worried and stressed and they don't know what to do about it. And the one thing they thought would bring them hope did not. Jesus has a better way. But there's an example in the Bible of a guy with a similar story. His name was King Solomon. He thought if I was the richest guy in the world, I would never worry because I'd have everything in the world that I needed. And he became the richest guy in the world. Like the Bible lists out his assets and it's gold and chariots and castles and kingdoms. And this guy was just loaded. But it didn't bring him pleasure. And so he tried other things. He tried to build more things to make a name for himself. He tried pleasure. He, he tried everything. And then he records this whole journey in the Bible in a book called Ecclesiastes, which is essentially his midlife crisis journal. And he shares this thought in it. He said, so I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing after the wind. It's an encouraging one, right? Not one of those bumper sticker verses, is it? But he's pouring out his heart saying, I tried it all. I had it all. And I was miserable. I had all the money, I had all the fame, I had all that that thought would make me happy, and I'm still miserable. And then he gets to the end of this, and he kind of comes back to his senses. At the end of this book, he says, so I discovered what life was really all about. It's, it's to, to fear God, to keep his commands. It's, it's about that relationship with God. And apart from that, everything is going to be meaningless in your life, no matter what you have. And so in the book of Proverbs, he records a thought for guys and girls who were driven like he was to get more and more and more and more. And he said this, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Notice he doesn't say that, that wealth is bad. He doesn't say that money is bad. But the unbridled pursuit of it will make you settle for far less in your life than God wants to give you. It'll make your priorities get way out of balance. And you can do it believing the myth that I'm doing this for my family. I'm giving them a better life. But... But let me tell you something, especially you moms and dads out there that, that, that think that this crazy schedule you're keeping, this unsustainable pace to climb that corporate ladder and bring home more money for more opportunities for your kids, and you think it's for them, your family can do with less of almost anything if it means having more of you. Nobody else can be a husband to your wife and a father to your children the way that you can. They can find someone else to do your job. They can find someone else to pick up that overtime. And certainly there are seasons of life when we have to, 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 to work extra. I get that. But those seasons can turn into a lifestyle real fast if we don't have some, some safe and healthy guardrails in place. We've, we've got to come to our senses and say, I don't want to play that rat race game anymore. Because nobody wins it. Nobody gets to their deathbed and says, man, I wish I would have had one more, one more promotion. I wish I would have spent a little bit more time at work. So yeah, work hard, but don't let it be your God. Don't let it be your identity. Because when we build our identity on those things, man, we miss out. 
Here's a principle. Anxiety comes when our primary pursuits are perfection, power, or pleasure. Peace comes when we're pursuing our purpose. When you look at what the world tries to tell you will make you happy, it's usually one of those three things. Perfection, power, or pleasure. The cover of every magazine is selling a myth that if your skin was just more perfect, if you just had washboard abs, if you just looked like these perfect airbrushed people, and then, and then we scroll through social media and it, it, it makes that even harder because we're seeing the highlight reels with filters of everybody else. They're airbrushing themselves and we're thinking, man, their lives are perfect too. What am I doing wrong? Perfection is a myth apart from Christ. You know, he's the only perfect part of our life. So the more of him you bring in, that's the only, that's the only perfection we're going to experience. But otherwise, we're just pursuing this airbrushed myth. Power. Power we pursue because we think that if I'm just in control, then I'll be happy. If I'm the boss, then I'll be happy. But then once we have that control, holding on to it and gaining more of it, man, it'll suck the life out of us if that's all it's about. And then pleasure. So then we just... We just submit to our vices and whatever makes us feel good, we do. But the problem is the more we do it, the more of it it takes to get that same high, that same enjoyment. And before long, we've we've just, we've lost control and those vices have taken us over and our life has become out of control. It never brings the peace that it promises those things. But God's purpose for you will, and his purpose for you is to experience his love for you, a relationship, forgiveness, freedom, and then to live your life, to live your life in response to that grace, loving the people around you. You know, your relationships are the only part of your life you can take to heaven. It's the only part of your life that's eternal. Your relationship with God, your relationships with those followers of Christ that he's placed in your life. That's that's the only thing in this world that you will also completely have in heaven in its perfect form. Everything else. It's going to go away. We spent last week, uh, spring break, we spent a few days at the beach. And one day at the beach, there was this group of kids. They spent all day making this enormous sandcastle. I mean, it was glorious all day. They were, they were working. It was like a dynasty. It was so impressive that people would come by and just marvel at it. But you know what happened to that sandcastle? It's gone. The tide came in. That thing is gone. The next morning, it looked like it was never there. And so many of us are spending our whole lives building this tiny kingdom for ourselves. And in the end, it's just a sandcastle that's going to wash away. That's why Jesus said, if your wise person listens to me, will build their house on a rock that no storm can shake. But if you're foolish, if you're doing things your own ways, you're making your own rules, it's like building your house on a sand. It's like building a sandcastle. It might look good from the outside, but it is going to wash away without a memory. So give your life to that which is eternal. Give your life to that which is really matters. And Francis Chan is a pastor and reader that, uh, writer that, that has impacted me and many others. And he has a quote about success that, that I love. He said, our biggest fear shouldn't be failure. It should be succeeding at the wrong things. Making up our own definition of success and it being a shallow, hollow, empty definition of success. Getting to the end of your life and having all the awards that you wanted and realizing how empty they are apart from the things that God had for you. I want to share a, a story with you, a video story, some friends of mine that have been on this journey and have found, found success through God's definition, but started out, started out with the wrong definition of success. Their names are, are Paul and Jamie Michaud. They, they were neighbors of ours for five years. They have a bunch of boys. We had a bunch of boys. So we were really instantly friends. And I always admired and respected Paul now so more than ever. 
But even back then where they're starting their story, he was like the hardest working guy I knew. On the outside, it looked like he had everything together. Every part of his life was disciplined and ordered. I mean, his, he was in incredible physical shape. You know, he, he, had, he had dad abs, you know. I, like, I, my, my love handles were so jealous look, looking at Paul. He, he was rising through the ranks of work just like a rocket. He was a, a doctor, a physician in the military, and he was surpassing people older than him. He was in line to be the top, the top of the ranks. I mean, he was on that path. Then he was working on the side to make more money for his family to help provide opportunities for them. So he was working all the time. Until one day he realized that, wait a second, all these people that I'm working, that I say I'm working for, my family, I never see them. And even when I do see them, I'm so stressed out that I'm at my worst around them. And he kind of came to that realization when even though he was young and in perfect physical health from his discipline, he found himself in the hospital with heart problems. And stress had done such a number on his heart that they thought that it could actually end his life. It was that serious. And that became a wake-up call for him to say, from this moment on, I'm going to redefine success. I'm not going to define success based on the next promotion. I'm going to define success based on what truly matters most. And over this past year, he's been on a journey that's totally changed his life. And in the process, he's committed what his peers called career suicide. But Paul wisely learned that something has to die for the right things to be reborn in your life. And so he's experiencing life to the full right now. Let's watch their story together. I mean, we've been married for 17 years. And 16 of those years were spent, you know, med school, internship, residency, and then, you know, staff. And then right after that, he moved up. And then after that, we moved on. And then after that, he moved up again. And it was constantly following him around, doing what he needed to do to keep going and going and going. I always saw myself as, you know, wanting to provide for somebody, provide, you know, be a dad, be a husband. Um, and I would focus on what that took to do that. And for me, that was working very hard. So that, in, in, in one way, that, that is my drive. I was really, really good at work, but I didn't have the other stuff now. So I think that we both tried to pretend that things were okay. I mean, people were asking him, coming after him. It'd be nine o'clock on Friday night and his boss would call and he'd answer the phone because it was his boss. You can't not answer the phone. From the outside, he had it all together. The bottom line is I was taking everything on and I was living a life one way, but inside I knew that that wasn't um, the person I think I was meant to be. That wore on me over time, and I think the way that externally manifested was as heart problems. I think when you face the fact that um, I might not be here tomorrow, man, that gives you clarity real quick. And to be honest with you, after that point, the decisions were so simple. When people talk about me, I want them to say, man, that guy's a good husband. That guy's a good dad. And I want it to be true. And I want it to be true. And so then it was easy. And so people looked at me like I was crazy. How could you give this up? What do you mean? How could I not? I have so much more to gain over here. And so we kind of got to the point where, you know, we didn't want to be normal anymore. And I think that was one of the biggest things we, we talked about. Well, wait a second. Yes, I know that this looked like success, 
But whose success is that? It was like he was never there, and all of a sudden, he's always there. And he's interacting with us, and he's going places with us. And when he goes places with us, he's talking to us. Not about work, but about like, how was your day? What are we gonna do this weekend? Doesn't mean I'm not good at work, I am good at work. Okay. And actually, I think if anything, and here's the crazy part, what? You're better. I'm probably better at work. And now I can go back being okay inside at work. Sometimes I think we're taught that to do that, to expose yourself, to be vulnerable with someone else's weakness. And I think I've learned that perhaps there's no greater strength. And ultimately the reason why that is, is because now we can do it together. So how do we get our priorities in line? How do we let go of worry and anxiety and embrace all Jesus has for us instead? Because whenever Jesus asks us to do anything, it's not to limit us, it's not to hinder us, it's to free us. Free us from the the traps that this world sets for us so that we can experience real life. And here, here are a couple scriptures that point us in that direction. If you're feeling that stress... If you're feeling that anxiety, that worry about anything in your life, it maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with career, but all of us have burdens that we're carrying. And so here are a few promises from God's word. First Peter, it says this, it says, bring all your worries and anxieties to God. Lay all your worries and anxieties at his feet because he cares for you. It's a reminder that when you know God is for you, that he loves you, he's not just this distant judge, but he is a personal savior who is present with you in whatever you're facing you can lay over and over again whatever struggle you're facing right at his feet. And he wants to carry that for you. I think it also has to do with these priorities we've talked about. That what is your treasure? What is, what is it that you're really pursuing in life? And so Jesus said this. Or he said this just before that extended passage we looked at about, about money and then worry. He said, don't store for yourselves treasure on earth where moths can destroy it, where a thief can break in and steal. He said, but store for yourself treasure in heaven where no moth can destroy it. No thief can break in and steal because where your treasure is, he said, there your heart will be also. Jesus isn't trying to take your treasure away. He's trying to give you real treasure. He's saying, why are you going after stuff? that's just going to end up dusty and broken in an attic someday, or somebody's going to fight over after you die. Why not give the best of yourself to things that, which are eternal, your relationship with God, your relationship with others, invest in that, let that be your treasure and no one will ever take it away from you. And so if you're stressed, if you're feeling that anxiety today, then, then just remember this, it's kind of the last fill in the blank. And it's that stress comes when we're trying to do everything on our own. Peace comes when we put everything into God's hands. So if you feel like you're the one that's trying to carry everything right now, then I invite you to just listen to the words of Jesus. And this is what Jesus says. And this is so beautiful. I love the way the message translation paraphrases This passage in Matthew 11, Jesus says this, and I hope these words just bring you peace. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Man, doesn't that sound good? Anybody else need a real rest today? Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, does that sound like a great invitation to anybody else? And we've made it about something else. We've even made our religion about just all these hoops to jump through and rules and regulations to keep. And all the while, Jesus is saying, no, you're missing the point. Just come to me. I'm the source of life. Let me carry you through what you're facing. In just a minute, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for all of us here that are struggling today with, with stress of any kind, that today could be the day that, that you could let go and experience that peace. Start on a journey of peace. Doesn't usually happen all at once, but today can be the day that you, you start in the right direction. But I also want to pray for those of you here today that don't yet know Jesus in a personal way. You're, you're that unbeliever that he was talking about. You have all those worries because you felt like you had to be your own God all this time. Today can be the day through a simple act of faith, you invite him into your life to bring the forgiveness and the freedom that he's wanted to give you all along. And your journey can begin. And it's a journey that extends into eternity. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the peace that you give. Please forgive us. Forgive me of the times that I've gotten my priorities so out of whack, that I've, I've kept a pace that's not sustainable, that, that God, we've, we've missed out on this beautiful definition of success that you bring, which is just to be faithful to you and to walk with you and to love those around us. And we've, we've made it about trophies and we've made it about applause of others. And God, that's so empty. So forgive us and help us get back on the right track, a path to peace, because that's what you have for us. Lord, you're the Prince of Peace. So bring that peace into our hearts today. For those here today who don't know you, those in this room, those watching online, I pray that there would be those that reach out in faith for the very first time and pray a simple prayer in their mind and heart. And they say, Jesus, save me today. Forgive me of the way that I've lived. Forgive me of my priorities being wrong. Forgive me of trying to be my own savior, my own God. And today I'm asking you to set me free. Make me into the person I was meant to be. Help me to spend my life walking with you and becoming all you created me to be. And for all of us, Lord, let us settle for nothing less than that purpose-filled, peace-filled life you have for us. Thank you for your love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.